Hello, listener. You're back. And I'm back. We're all here. Finally, episode three of People Are Fucking Awesome. I apologise for the ridiculously long break between episode two and episode three. Imagine that. Not even the end of a first series. Basically, I got so excited and so enamoured with the idea of um, People Are Fucking Awesome as a concept that I just steamrolled straight into it. I got in touch with tons of people I wanted to talk to, put a load of dates in the diary, and just wanted to get the thing going so, so quickly, overlooking the equipment and the time and the whole process of post-production. I've essentially had to lean on my friends and ask for freebies and hire staff and sit in my best friend's bedroom just locked into an edit with and just completely ignoring him I've just been savagely unprepared basically but it's all because I love the idea of this podcast so there has been a little bit of a wait and this will make you laugh this episode this what you're what you're listening to right now is me sat under my duvet on my barge because this is how I'm making the sound quality good. The duvet deadens it, I'm hoping. And after this, I'm just going to upload it straight onto my computer. I've downloaded some really rubbish free editing software. You know, and, and with such a big name as well. But this is this is Bryony Gordon's episode, episode three. I imagine if you're listening, you know who Bryony Gordon is. She's a writer, journalist mental health campaigner and just overall good egg and there should be so much more production value on this but I think she'd be the first to say that it's not about the style or the quality it's about the content and as ever she is just the most enlightening self-deprecating inspiring person I absolutely love talking to her it's like sitting opposite sunshine and as you'll hear in the episode, she's been through some some very traumatic things in her life. We touch on her battle with OCD, her battle with addiction and with bulimia in her, in her younger life. Um, and I feel like I'm painting a really bleak picture of what the episode's going to be like. It's The best thing about Bryony is that she takes these things and she owns them. And she's a great example of the, the sort of person who who has experienced many levels of personal crisis and who is able to to own them in such a way that it doesn't seem to impact her life and how she is as a person. I'm sure she'd disagree with that, but from the outside looking in, she's an inspiration and I'm so, so pleased to have her on this podcast. But going back to the quality um just briefly because i feel like i would need to apologize slightly so for this episode brian is an incredibly busy person she's in really high demand at the moment and although she's a good friend of mine her time is still very valuable and it's take you know we've had to cancel on each other a couple of times and in the end i just thought fuck it and i hired some some portable recording equipment that i don't know how to use and I didn't take any headphones, I didn't get any levels. Basically, I, I brought the party to her. I went to the Telegraph, where she works, and the two of us found an empty office somewhere on the top floor and sat for an hour and talked. I mean, what's great is the conversation we had is mostly unedited, um, you know, because that's 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 how it should be, you know, and that's how 
that's how she would have wanted it. Um, but there is, I'm afraid to say, a very faint hum of some sort of fucking air conditioning unit somewhere in the room that I didn't notice on the day. That sort of just, it's like the sort of soundtrack, the one note, monotonous soundtrack of the whole. You're going to turn off, aren't you? Don't turn off, please. I mean, before I tell you how good it was, I should just, just full disclosure. There's some questionable mic technique going on. I didn't get the levels. It sounds like we're quite far away. But honestly, when I listen to it back, a couple of seconds, minutes, whatever, I I completely forgot about the sound quality and was just in the conversation. I'm sure you will be as well. So Bryony has a... If you're listening to this on the 31st, which is the uh, release date, then Bryony's third book, Eat, Drink, Run, is out today. The book is about achievement i suppose um achievement for people who don't think they can achieve certain things the backdrop of the whole story in this one is when Bryony ran the london marathon last year which was actually where we met her marathon journey continued and this year she ran the london marathon with jada caesar in her underwear um to promote the idea that athletes or runners come in all shapes and sizes and it's not about the limitations you put on yourself it's the potential you have and the marathon journey is continuing me and Bryony are both running race to the tower which is next weekend which is a it's actually a double marathon in the Cotswolds but Bryony and I have just signed up for the single marathon obviously because you know, why Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you run two marathons back to back? I mean, I'm saying that. I'm running Race to the Stones next month, which is a 100-kilometer race. But I did that last year, and for some reason, I think it's more doable. That makes no sense. Uh, we should probably just get to the episode, because um, it's getting hot under this duvet, I've got to say. Um, so without any more preamble from me, here is episode three of People Are Fucking Awesome with... The effervescent, tenacious Bryony Gordon. Right, so yeah, you want it about sort yeah. of where I am? Yeah, that's perfect. How's it going? Good. Do you want to hear my levels? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, your levels are fine. I've just cool. done all that. Um, okay, so I'm here with Bryony. This Hello. is a bit strange, isn't it? Why is it strange? What, you're my friend? Yeah, and now we're doing something really official. And now you're going to have to be very professional okay. and interrogate me like Do you know John what? Humphreys. I'm going to be really professional and I'm going to introduce you like properly. Okay, okay so I'm here uh, with writer, journalist, author friend of uh good friend <laughs> of the duke of sussex <laughs> best friend so t- tell me about the camping trip you guys went on Shut a little up. while ago <laughs> so so i should probably explain um so what was it this morning you were on the other day i was on so basically i was on uh, i was on itv during the royal wedding talking about the interview i did with prince harry about yep. his mental health 
And unbeknownst to me, <laughs> on the screen was Brian Gordon, writer and friend of Prince Harry. <laughs> and it was just really embarrassing because, like, while I like, well, I know, I know Prince, I know Harry, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, Prince to his friends. Well, no, but yeah. like, I, you know, like, if we pass each other, on the, we know, like, I know him, but we aren't like. I wouldn't say we were like friends, and no. I was. But it was like, you know, like I don't have his number in my phone book kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then I thought, oh my God, people watching, obviously to make it all about me, people watching will be like, such good friends that she's sitting there on that sofa talking to Philip Schofield yeah. rather than in the church. Yeah, where there was lots of empty seats, famously. Lots yeah. of empty seats. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. But yeah, you do know him in the kind of same way that I know him. We've met him a couple I'd of times. I probably know him a bit better than yeah, you. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> um, but yeah, you famously did the, the podcast with him, which was, yeah. I mean, that's kind of... I mean, you you kind of got some commercial success with with your first book, I guess, or was it your second My book? My first two books. First two, all yeah. right. <laughs> um, they were both. We Sunday don't normally talk about this. They sort were of both. Stuff. They were both Sunday Times bestsellers. Yeah. Okay. The second book was a number one Sunday Times bestseller. Okay. So yes, I had more commercial success with my second book, Jake. Okay, so you had commercial success as an author. But then I suppose the the podcast that you did with Prince Harry has kind of propelled you to... I mean, you've got a really exciting life now, haven't you? I was saying this to you the other day. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, no, you're just very in demand all of a sudden. Do you think it kind of stems from that podcast you did with Harry? Well, I think it is. I think that obviously, like, in kind of persuading him to do a podcast where he spoke about his mental health, obviously, <sighs> that sort of raises your profile in that you're, like... How many more followers did you get overnight? Well, actually, weirdly... That's a good barometer. Weirdly, my followers tend to come through things like... Like, the, the, the I get the most followers when I do things like run a marathon in my underwear. Right. <laughs> um, Which we'll get to. So I don't... So I don't know, like... Yeah, it was... I suppose it was... It was, for me, it was quite life-changing because it was just this thing where I had, like, battled quite, like, horrible mental illness for most of my life. And yeah suddenly this guy was like talking to me because of that mental illness mm-hmm. you know and and it was amazing to be like to play a tiny part in the way that mental health attitudes sort of you know, in quite a watershed moment for um, mental health in this country so you know it was it was amazing and I haven't like just things keep happening and um, you know but I think really that's you know it's obviously got a lot to do with say Prince Harry but also it's got a hell of a lot to do with the fact that people really want to talk about mental health mm. there's like a real desperation to kind yeah. of get it out there and deal with it so um well, okay 2017 was kind of the year of mental health wasn't it so it heads together yeah. obviously um oh do you know what i'm gonna I'll, in a bit i think i'm gonna take us down memory lane i've got a video that i found on my phone a couple of days ago <laughs> of when you know so basically um the London Marathon last year that we both ran. Yeah. That's when I first met you. Yeah. I didn't know who you were at the time. All right. FYI. Um, but there's a video on my phone of, of when we have that big heads together photo before, you know, it was all kind of like end of term yeah, fever, yeah, yeah. like before the race had yeah, even yeah, begun. Yeah. And there's a little bit on there where you're there and I turn around to you and you're hi, I'm Bryony. And I turn back, I've got the moment we met on You ignore on film. me. Yeah. Yeah, who the fuck are you? You're not Prince <laughs> Harry. Yeah. Not interested. <laughs> Oh, that was a mad day, wasn't it? Well, it was a mad year, really. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, on a professional level and a personal level, like, I, yeah, I, you know, I did the interview with Prince Harry, ran my first marathon, went to rehab, mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah, huge year for you. Wrote another book, um, 
you want to plug that already? Or yeah, it's called Eat, Drink, Run. Okay, that's out on the 30th, isn't it? 31st of May, and it's a book about running that's not about running. Okay. It's like a book about doing the things that you do, like in, that hopefully will inspire you to do the thing you think you can't. Because okay, when cool. I started running, I was like 16 and a half stone, and I couldn't run for a bus. And then six months later, I ran the marathon. Amazing. Um, yeah. And now Lit- I've run two. And now you've run two, yeah. And we're about to run another one next month. We are. In the woods. <laughs> Oh or wherever the fuck it is. In, um, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so, let, yeah, let's talk about the marathon last year because that was like, that was a really big moment in my life because it was the first marathon I ever did as well. Obviously, it was part of the, mm. the documentary that I did, and that's kind of like you sort of knew who I was it through that. It must have been a huge moment for you. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, when I watched it, I was like, hugely moved by it because it was, you know, in tandem, I was sort of having this journey. With my, you know, of my own mental health and realizing I could do things that I didn't think I could, which yeah. is really empowering. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, so I was obviously like rooting for you all uh-huh. from uh, from my sofa. Yeah. And also on the day, obviously, we yeah, were all a long way in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because we finished in, in about the same time. We you finished a later. minute before me. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good going. But no, I, I think that last year was the year of mental health, and I think the, the thing that kind of typified that was the fact that it seemed to the conversation seemed to transcend different types of people so Mm -hmm. you you had the royals talking about it in a a very candid way and you had common people talking (laughs) (laughs) like myself i'm putting myself in that category talking about it and everyone talking about it in the same way and it it just seemed to level the playing field and i think i think that's that's what that's why it felt like a movement to me i mean Mm. i I feel like you know in, in terms of political movements and that sort of thing these days like there's just so much information available to everyone that you can't get that sort of visceral sense of a movement with anything anymore yeah. which is why the, the mental health movement last year felt so profound yeah for me um, it was incredible I mean do, you know when I, I remember being invited to the launch of Heads Together in like 2016 and like it really took my breath away because I thought my god if when I was 12 and I first got ill um, uh, and like three of the most famous people on the planet were standing up and talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, how different can things have been? Yeah. And you know, it was it was it's a huge thing, and there's real and there's real passion there from them to you know, and um, I think it I think it did completely, um, as you say, it kind of it really weirdly, given that they're royal, it actually. Was a very. It made it very. It, it kind of democratized yeah. mental health in a yeah, weird exactly. way, and it kind of made everyone. You know, it brought it to everyone. They sort um, of led by example, didn't they? Really. Yeah, and it was. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and so, I mean, when when did Mad Girl? When did you write that? Mad Girl, I wrote in. Oh God, we're going way back now. Uh, way back to <laughs> 2015. <laughs> Finished it in the beginning back. of 2016, and it came out. Uh, in June 2016. Okay, cool. And uh, I've read it, obviously. Um, I read it while I was walking around the country, and it was amazing. Do you know what? I didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook, oh, which, God. Is, which right. is kind of like hanging Worse. out with you. Worse. <laughs> it was great. It was like we were hanging out every night. Um, but yeah, obviously, it was a real eye-opener for me because it's the first time. I mean, obviously, Claudia, who was in the, the programme with mm. me, she, she suffers with OCD. Um, but with the kind of relationships that we formed in in that one were, um, were kind of like more more friendly. You know, we we wouldn't 
dig into each other's shit very often. It was mm. more like a kind of collective safe space in case anyone kind of dipped and needed picking back up again. We didn't really go into each other's story. That's why watching the program back was so interesting for me because I was getting the insight that I missed while we were filming. Mm. Um, so although Claudia suffered suffers with um, OCD, I didn't get to, I wasn't educated much about it while we were filming. But when I listened to your audio book, that's when it's the, the sort of the, the real horror of what OCD kind of became clear to me was um, I mean is, is it still something you you suffer with now is it is it in check is how, um, how are you so I that? kind of I feel like OCD is something I'll always suffer from but I, I can really like right size it now so I if I hear it I tell it to fuck off can I swear on this <laughs> yeah. um, like, it's called um, people are fucking awesome <laughs> well then I fucking can't fucking swear <laughs> fucking fuck 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 yeah. I, do, I feel like OCD, like, I feel like all mental illnesses, like lots of other illnesses, are incredibly incredibly treatable if you catch them kind of early on. So mm-hmm. in the same way that if you were diagnosed with diabetes type 2 today and you ended up and you, you just changed your diet and exercised and took your medication, you'd probably just live a very normal, long, healthy life. But if mm-hmm. you didn't, it would sort of snowball until you ended up having your foot amputated and I feel like the same way with OCD like if it when I first got it when I was 12 if it had been caught then maybe it wouldn't have dominated my life in the same way it had but it did and that's how it you know and it led on to all sorts of other things like addiction and um and just very bad life choices but OCD you know I really love it when people ask about OCD because it's still so misunderstood and you know like the World Health Organization lists it as one of the ten most debilitating illnesses that exist and um you know and it's people think it's sort of cleaning things and and organizing things and and it you know it can be that but like I always get whenever I say to someone I've got OCD they go yeah I've got that too I've got a bit of that you should see my sock drawer and I'm like yeah yeah I'm just like Monica Geller it's like no (laughs) I'm not like Monica Geller I was like I don't know Joey yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like, it's you know, it's that sort of, it's it's like my husband always jokes. I wish he had the good type of OCD, you know, meaning clean stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, but obviously, he, you know, there is no good type of OCD, and um, the way I try. He's to, obviously being ironic. He, when he is. Says yeah, that, yeah. He can. He knows me well enough to be able to take the piss slightly. But he. Um, so, but there are, you know, the way I describe OCD is like your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eyes can see. That be it that like okay. your hands are clean or the ovens off or you know you haven't just run over a child you've gone over a speed bump and it's the kind of call it the doubting disease is it is it kind of like there's there's always a chance that you could have done that you could have done it you know you 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 kind of think there's a 99.9 percent chance that that wasn't a child that i just ran over but what if if? so you have to go back and check and check and your body your brain won't let you it won't acknowledge even when you see the speed bump it'll say like we but what if the child's got you know there's always a thing but also I I you know I have a form called pure o and pure o is more to do with intrusive thoughts so we all have thousands of thoughts every day and all of our thoughts are not us so we've all had that thought of like what if I just kind of threw myself in front of the train or push that man in front of the train or if someone hands you their baby and like what if I was just to throw the baby on the floor and you know but most of us realize that there's just the randomness of our brains and we're not actually maniacs yeah, you, know, yeah. you dismiss it but someone with pure o becomes so distressed by those thoughts they need to kind of check them again and again to make sure they are not those thoughts and it becomes a very distressing 
process. So I had a point where I thought that I, well, a long pop period when I thought maybe I was a serial killing paedophile, which let me tell you is not fun. And you can see why people don't talk about this form of OCD. Because yeah, it's right. not like, it's not like being clean and organized, you know, it's like, actually, I think I might be a child abuser. Because you know, you know, intellectually that you're not, that you're probably not, but this is the what if, what if. So I used to think that I had, for like when I was 17, that I maybe had murdered someone and blanked it out in shock. Right. And I would go around checking bins and I would, I would read the newspaper to see if anyone had been murdered locally. I couldn't even say the word murder. I couldn't say anything. And if, I, and if I saw it in the news, I had to think of two positive words to go alongside it. And so that's where the sort of ritual side Yeah, but then there was also the kind of ruminating over and over in your yeah. head. Well, did I? Maybe I do remember something little. Like, maybe I do, you know. And then I then obviously discovered alcohol and drugs to kind of blot it out. But, you know, the problem with that then is that, obviously, I, well, not obviously, not everyone blacks out when they drink, but I did. Right. And I didn't remember great big periods of the night. So then my brain would be like, what if There's you... even more time there that yeah. you may have lost and, and it, may have done and it something was, bad. And it was like a vicious cycle, you know, and that carried on until, you know, relatively recently. Yeah. So, um, but my OCD is very much kind of right-sized. Like, I don't, I don't lose months of my life to it anymore right. and I used to and you know it's taken me a long time to get to that stage I'll be 38 soon mm-hmm. and I first experienced it when I was 12 so um and I still do get bits of it it still yeah. does kind of shake me up and but I'm sort of much better at sorry um Are you boring yourself no I'm not I'm just <laughs> tired I'm an old woman <laughs> um you know of kind of going okay let it let it pass yeah let it pass so um obviously writing about it i mean sorry not obviously has has writing about it made because one thing i really liked in the book was how you sort of personified your ocd jareth the goblin king yeah i think that's fucking amazing for the guy for, like david bowie character in labyrinth in case yeah. anyone listening doesn't know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> it's like evil but very so slightly enticing which yeah. is how i how i uh, how i viewed my ocd you know, I knew it was bullshit, but there was always that bit going. Come. I mean, I, yeah, but I, I think I find it kind of fascinating as well. Did you ever find the whole the whole thing? I mean, obviously it's hell. It sounds like hell mm. to live with, but there would be a part of me that's like, God, what is going on in my brain? Like, what is the human brain capable of? Did it ever sort of fascinate no, you in that I just way? No, I was too trapped in right, my own. Okay. It was too. It was taught. It was just fucking all. Like actually, now when I think about it, yeah. I want to almost cry because I didn't. I feel I want to cry for myself, and which I'm so self-pitying. But like, oh, the level of the deep. My default settings to be in extreme, extreme high anxiety. You yeah. Know, which then, after a while, would fall into like depression, deep, yeah. deep. You know, where you're then your body become my body would become so overwhelmed it would just almost shut down and I couldn't leave the house and I couldn't leave the house a lot of the time because I was too scared to because I thought I didn't know but to me the world was ending always and I I was paranoid I was going to be taken you know I was thought the police were coming to get me they were going to take my child away I mean when when it started to affect the way I Parented, I was like, this is not, this is when I have to deal with this shit. Yeah. And um, 
And I was like, I'm not letting it ru- I'm not letting it affect my child as well. And I also don't want my child to grow up in a society where she doesn't feel able to talk about this stuff. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, um, so you kind of want to lead by example. In, in that yeah, and I don't, you know, like I, you know, but also, but by talking about it in the book and in columns, because I write columns for the Telegraph, like what's been really helpful for me in my recovery has been meeting other people yeah. and they're kind of young and cool and they go oh yeah I get that OCD where I think I'm a serial killing pedophile and I'm like you <laughs> you're so clearly not a serial killing pedophile and then the penny drops that that's what everyone thinks and yeah. you know I used to sit there in my therapist's room and go but I think and what if and what if I did this to my daughter, or what if I did this, or what if I killed someone while I was out, and I d- and you know, and she'd be sitting there going, "This is a, this is OCD." Yeah. She's not really supposed to reassure people because that feeds it, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, and you know, like also, how many serial killing paedophiles do you know who literally go and sit down in a therapist's room and say, <laughs> and like, do you know what I mean? Like the whole, it's all bonkers. Like yeah, you know yeah. it. I remember when I was about 17, I used to describe it as like the same person's mental illness because you knew right. it was bonkers, but you couldn't stop it. Right. So it's that kind of horrible, like it didn't Paradox, even, yeah. didn't ha- it doesn't even have the great, the good grace to kind of drag you out into full on, like, it's like teetering on the edge of psychosis. Mm-hmm. But you're, I, but you're conscious of it. And you're I say, of it. yeah. And I say that with no disrespect to, because it is almost like your brain, it's like, it's almost like you're imagining shit. Mm-hmm. But they're not your thoughts, are they? They're being forced upon you. In yeah, some way. but you know that they're. You can't know that it's mad. But there's a bit of you going, well, maybe it isn't mad. And it's just torturous. Yeah. And like, you know, the point of like thinking that you might have done things, but not know. It's just, oh, it, you know, like, yeah. actually, I don't, I don't. It's not often now, even though I talk about it a lot. It's not often I get into like the kind of stickier details like now and when I do it kind of really it really does take my breath away because it's like it's just such a horrible illness and I I wince when someone says to me you know like someone at work today was like oh my OCD my OCD side you know means I have to do this or that at my desk and I just was like there's still people who you work with every day who say things there's loads of people who say it like and I and I and I don't want to be the kind of boring, earnest person who then lectures them, but yeah. The millennial I, who says, no, you can't say yeah, that now. Yeah, you can't actually, you no, can't I know. No, I, I, I totally really, agree. I would really, because it's harm, it, because it, you know, it may just be a throwaway comment to you, but what it does is perpetuate uh, a misunderstanding of what is a very serious illness. And it makes, yeah. it makes people who do suffer it from it. Uh, less able to ask for help, yeah, or or to or to even well, because yeah, or to even recognise that it is OCD. You know, for a long time I didn't know that any of the stuff I was thinking made made me made me gave, was was a sign of obsessive compulsive disorder. I just thought that was it that I was a loop like you know yeah. Uh, so it's really important that we get this stuff right and that yeah, we sure. you know in the same way that you wouldn't say I've got a little bit of cancer. You know, lots of people do. You know, lots of people do uh, do have obsessional tendencies where they clean and they, you know, and they want everything to be just right. Mm-hmm. But if it ain't fucking up your life, it ain't OCD. Yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The key, the key word in the OC obsessive compulsive disorder being disorder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's. I'm really <clears throat> pleased that I can like I have a platform to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Because it kind it of helps definitely. It 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 it, it did like 
cast a shadow over it has cast a shadow over a lot of my life yeah um, but I mean it must have been quite hard to actually write about to try and get because I'm, I'm trying to write at the moment I'm try, trying to really write about what my depression is to me and it's so specific and I, I can't talk about it without digging up specific events and specific mm. things about me very very personal intimate thoughts and I find the whole thing quite traumatic actually mm. like really writing about it really going back to a point where Mm. I, I, I felt completely helpless mm. um, so I mean obviously the, the book has there's given you a platform and that has that's brought you into the sort of wider mental health community which yeah. is awesome you know you kind of touched on it earlier that's that's better than that's kind of better than therapy mm. in some ways it's actually being able to talk to people who can actually um, who can talk about it in a sort of way that that you talk about it I mean because the thing the thing that I really love about the book is you kind of you kind of talk about OCD in some way. Obviously, you can be very very serious, but you're very brazen with it as well. And and you can also be very self-deprecating. And I find that's a really useful way of sort of owning it mm. as well. That's what I try and do. I do try and make light of it sometimes. Well, I think it's, it's important because otherwise totally. it's a good way of kind of like of, of owning your illness. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, of also of, of kind of like casting it in a slightly different light because if you thought about it always in those kind of deep depressed you know those torturous ways life would be pretty miserable yeah and you're sort of putting yourself through it in a mini way but yeah writing i don't find i don't like i don't i don't particularly enjoy writing about my demons or whatever yeah. i don't i just don't like it i find it i find it hard but i but there's something in me that does it and i think that is the kind of do you find it self-indulgent in any way? No, I don't find it self-indulgent. I think I it's I think it's completely I, really wish I, didn't. I think it's the opposite. Mm. I don't do it in a self-indulgent way. I do it in the hope that other people I do it I do it for the girls. Maybe it is self-indulgent. I do it for twelve year old me. Yeah, right. And all the other twelve people who are like I was mm-hmm. the whole way through my, you know, childhood and, and teenager adolescence and and my adult, a great deal of my adulthood. I don't write because I want people to go, boo-hoo, poor her, you know, mm-hmm. gosh, what a tortured so-and-so she was. But I want I want someone to read it and go... I get it now. Or no, or, or well, like, I have to I want people have to, to read thing. it and go, oh my God, I'm not a freak, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I want, I want people like me to not spend their lives feeling somehow other or wrong or too much or not enough. You know, yeah. like I, I, and I think it started with my first book, The Wrong Knickers, which was like a, like my guide to surviving my twenties. Was I, I could never, you know, I wasn't the cool girl. I couldn't play it. I couldn't play it cool. I, I, you know, everyone's like, Bryony, play hard to get. I just couldn't do it. You know, yeah. I wasn't mysterious. I always felt like too much. You know, some people say that they don't feel like they're enough, and then I, but I felt like the opposite. And I was really sick of feeling that way. I was, I was sick of feeling like bad that I wanted like bad because I didn't have a boyfriend and then bad for feeling bad for caring about my single state my marital status you know yeah, it yeah. made me like a bad feminist and like so I wrote that book because I wanted to make other girls who were in their 20s read it and feel better about because I felt like a fuckwit for most of the time and I and then you know and, and actually if I had known that you know things were going to work out all right yeah you know and and I just wanted people to feel more comfortable I want people to feel more comfortable in their own skin because we don't get another skin no you know we don't get it so like here's like you know like instead of spending my whole life thinking about 
the things I can't do and the things I haven't achieved and the, you know, and all the way, you know, which has sort of defined my life as a kid. I couldn't do a cartwheel or a handstand. I couldn't get to the netball 18, you know, as an adolescent. I didn't look a certain way to attract the right boy, you know. Yeah. And then even in, like, in, even in, I just felt let down by my body the whole time, you know, my OCD. And, and then even in my 30s when I, you know, got... A, settled down quote unquote and I had a baby I felt like a failure because I couldn't have the baby naturally and I'm having an emergency c-section and then I couldn't breastfeed properly and I was like fucking and I'm like I'm so sick of this I don't want to why am I spending so much wasting so much energy thinking about all the things I can't do why don't I focus on the things I can do because the more we focus on the things we can't do the more we think we can't do you know and so for me it's about sort of making other people feel better and letting other like it's bullshit. The amount of shit everyone walks around with is mm-hmm. just fucking tragic. I know, I know. You know, and I'm like, Jesus, none of us are gonna get into our deathbeds and go, I really wish I'd I don't know, I dieted more or I really wish I'd you know, I really wish I'd worried a bit more about my like, I don't know, my belly or my you know, like fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just I, I can't I can't I don't have any truck with it anymore and I'm not gonna let and I and I think it's so yeah so anyway so so instead of being self indulgent I think it's another it's like a way for me of kind of looking outwards and yeah. changing things and so yeah no I don't find it self indulgent cool. I mean I didn't mean I've answered pretty- no no but it's really interesting I've gone off on one now but that's what I feel it is it's about trying to just. Can't make people feel better yeah well I mean I think it's really important as well I mean it's obviously why I mean there's a lot of people that look up to you and I think <laughs> there, there, is, there is but listen, but, listen. But, but, but the reason is is because you're you're a sort of poster person for perceived imperfection I guess I, I feel like a lot of people who 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 have real problems with their self-esteem they they tend to look towards you, you know because there's a lot of people out there who are doing um, who, who are sort of being themselves and being totally out there and and um, and, and kind of being a good example for for young people. Mm. But when you're when you're a young person, and you have low self-esteem. Those those people just kind of pass you by. Mm. You all, you obsess about the the perfect quote unquote mm. people. And um, and and no, I think it's amazing. Like you know, when I was going around the country and I name drop you occasionally. <laughs> um, <James is> so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. But I mean generally women um just just think you're absolutely amazing and i think that that's that's kind of what it is isn't it the common thread that's, that goes through all your work it's not that you're all about mental health or about self-esteem it's just you're you're kind of putting yourself out there as an example of of someone who perceives themselves to be imperfect and it's like well it doesn't fucking matter because yeah. i still can still live an amazing life and yeah, that's, yeah. i think that's amazing yeah i think that is it it's like i don't I think like I don't you know I, I, I like I was thinking about you know like I use Instagram a lot and you know that is seen as a place where uh, you know everything is sort of given a gloss but I, I you like storied once yeah I used to I don't have my phone on me but I <laughs> oh, like to do I like to I like to use it as a kind of way to show kind of the opposite so like I'm thinking about doing tonight like getting back home putting on uh, my sports underwear like bra and knickers and then doing like a shoulder stand for example and showing the reality i can do a shoulder stand i'm 15 stone but i can do a shoulder Mm -hmm. stand i can run a marathon i can run it slowly but i can do it 
and showing people the possibility the possibility instead of thinking about the limitations yeah and like you know i'm not gonna fucking spend my life trying to be something i'm not you know like i could yeah i could i could cut down on my you know my occasional once a week pig outs i have and i could but i generally eat quite well i exercise i i like i really like my life now jake you know i genuinely want to weep at how sometimes the contentment just is like i can't i just literally cannot fucking believe it can't believe it and you know actually that's all come through acceptance you know and accepting me and i know this sounds so cheesy but it is like mind-blowing like all my success and all the amazing things that have happened to me have happened to me since i stopped trying to be somebody else yeah that's the key you know definitely so i don't want to like i don't want to be the girl that you follow the girl i don't want to be the woman you follow on instagram who like oh my god I look. like it makes me laugh when people are like i really like your dress where's it from i'm like you're taking the piss <laughs> i'm not you know like but i i want people to you know like i do think there's that I just and people like Prince Harry will sit down on a sofa and talk to people like me now. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to be like this very manicured, you know. Um, well, yeah. I mean, the perfect that, person who's never put a foot wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is this is kind of the good side of social media. I think because it's kind of it's it's humanized this you know the perceived people who are up mm. here like celebrities and that sort of thing. And actually, the people. Um, that are getting more recognition now the celebrities that are getting more recognition it isn't because they're quote unquote perfect mm. and, and and look amazing it's it's the people who live their life with integrity and, and are doing things for other people and are showing the world that you know it doesn't matter who you are you, you know you, you mm. still have a right to be happy and that's i think you know that's that's obviously why you've you've risen to almost household status now not quite not quite (laughs) well maybe when you actually become friends with harry oh yeah not quite wedding list status (laughs) but you know um but that did you agree like that's i mean social media is such a kind of ethical hot potato at the moment but lots of people spend a lot of time um you know talking about how awful it is and how it's ruining young lives now look i don't know because i am not a millennial you know and i and i and i didn't grow up with social media you know i think i got I must have been like 25 when Facebook came. So, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, but like, I, uh, I don't like. I don't. When I look at Inst, I don't. Instagram's really the only thing I use now. I don't yeah. really bother with Twitter because it's just full of boring assholes twatting on about Jeremy Corbyn, and I just don't. I'm not interested. I don't want to spend my time debating Donald Trump or the Labour Party because. It's not that it doesn't interest me, it's just that it's a fucking profound waste of my energy. Well, it's just opinions, isn't it? It's, it's just, just, it's just opinion, endless you know, like, opinions. I just don't, I just find it, I shouldn't be saying this as someone who, like, is paid their, wa- paid their wage by a newspaper, but I don't, you know, like, I I don't, no one cares about what I think about it, and I don't, you know, but, like, so, but, so I use Instagram because it, it really inspires me, and the people I follow on it are really inspiring. Mm-hmm. So I don't follow people that, like, Photoshop off part of their thigh. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, because so that I like that, that you can curate. It's not like such a wanker. <laughs> but you can like, you know, you can choose who you want to follow. And so I do follow models. Like I follow Edie Campbell, who I fucking love. She's a very clever girl, but she's really funny. And she just, you know, and so I, I follow people that like look all different ways, not just people who are over a size 18, mm-hmm. you know. And it's, you know, and it's, I think it's great. I think it's, I think social media has enabled people that weren't being 
didn't feel they were being seen in the mainstream media to feel seen and you know I think if you don't feel seen you can start to feel like a freak yeah you know which is why representation is so important it's why it's so important that we have people of all different races and people of all different religions and people of all different shapes and sizes because you know that's that's the that's the truth of life yeah well yeah. I mean that's that's the, I mean the reason I love social media is because it it, it has kind of empowered uh, individualism like more more than ever yeah. I think and and people who maybe 10 20 years ago would be deemed as you know freaks or whatever yeah these are now the people that are celebrated I mean especially if they kind of own what it is that makes them different yeah it's really it's, good. it's important to remember as well that there is some good sides to social media because like you said there is there, there seems to be this constant narrative where, and I agree with that to a certain extent. So I'm, I think I'm fucking addicted to my phone. To be honest, I, yeah. I do find myself just sort of flicking through. But to be honest, I'd rather be addicted to my phone than like cocaine, which I was addicted to <laughs> in my twenties. So you know, yeah, like, okay, fair you know, like there's there are evils and there are, and and I think you know we talk about being addicted to our phones, but it's just how people live now. Yeah. And I think as long as you could, you you're aware of it not being the best thing in the world. Yeah, right. And you can't fit it up your nose either. No. I mean, you could try it, but you're not going to. And they have very good um, uh, contracts now, so it yeah. doesn't cost the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a, not like a drug habit. <laughs> so um, that kind of leads us quite nicely on to um, uh, someone, a friend of yours, Jada. Yeah. Um, you know, she's. Uh... Is she a drug addict? <laughs> well, no. So what you said before, yeah. So Jade is this massive druggie. We both know. Um, no. She's not. No, she's not at all. Um, Jade is Jade is a model. She's a model. And, and uh, the, the two of you ran this year's London Marathon in your Grundies. We did. And uh, yeah. Um... God, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was really fun. Like the it's, support was. How like, long did it take you in the end? I watched like, your Insta story I'm still, after. I'm still out. I'm actually still running the London Marathon right now. <laughs> what was it seriously? How long did it take? I don't want to talk about time. I think it's. Really well, no, no, no. no. I, I think that's not why I want to know. It just. Puts, it puts times puts people off getting into running. Okay, fair enough. Forget I asked. So like, that. I ran the first 14 miles of it, got heat stroke, and then it all sort of fell apart. Right. But I, I finished it. Yeah. But so it, it took us to answer your question. No, it, do you know what? Don't ask us, the question. No, 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 sh- no forget it. No, don't. don't stop me from answering the question. It took us seven hours, 19 minutes. And the year before, it took me five hours, 53. Okay, but do you know what? That's even, I, I, the more time you spend out there, the more impressive it is. It is, but there are some people like, you didn't run that, you walked it. And I'm like, well, actually, I didn't walk it. I walked bits of it. And fuck you. Like, even if I did walk it, I was still walking in, yeah. you know, in, um, in that heat for seven uh, hours. But yeah, no, it. it was hard. It was a hard, it was hard. But mm. that, but it, it was not as hard as the days when I can't move at all um you and get out of bed because of the weight of depression yeah right so it's easy in comparison to that piece of piss because i remember talking to you before and you were, you were a little bit worried about how long it was going to take um i was you... i just i just didn't want to be out there forever yeah but so tell so tell me and people like what the what the idea behind it was well you and I... jada running in your well tiny we ways. just we would you know jada couldn't like when i met jada about a year ago she couldn't believe that I'd done a marathon. Not in that she disbelieved, but that she didn't think that people our size, like, you know, we're not massive, like 16 to 18, but she didn't know that we were sort of allowed right. to run long distances. And so she was like, would you help me do a marathon? And so I ended up signing her up, and we ended up signing up to do London Marathon together. And then 
we were training and then as we were training we thought why don't we do this in our underwear which did feel bonkers in like the deep the you know the depths of winter but um we just wanted to show it wasn't like a sexy thing it wasn't a because it's not sexy underwear it's the kind of thing that elite women run in you know yeah right. and um and to just show that a runner's body comes in all different shapes and sizes because you know actually a lot of that running kit with the like sucky any lycra can be quite flattering you know mm. and i I just wanted to make, a, I think we just wanted to make a statement, which is that exercise is for everyone. And yeah. You don't have to look, and it was just to show different bodies. Mm -hmm. Because all we see when we, like, well, all I see when I pick up, I don't know, when I look at sports, ad, you know, advertising for sports brands or is, you know, people with fantastic bodies. And now, of course, that is, um, that's fine, you know, because but it's not, it doesn't tell the whole story. And, no. and you know, there are some people who are like, oh, you're promoting obesity. And I'm like, I'm not promoting obesity. I don't know how I'm promoting obesity while running a fucking marathon. Like, yeah. you know, get, like, people just find it so difficult to see bodies of a different size up there. Yeah. You know, they can't stand it. You know, you're promoting obesity. And I'm like, but I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm running, I'm exercising. You know, it's very difficult. You're all gonna die and like, just, it's incredible it was incredible the amount of kind of um like not mansplaining because it happened from women as well but like how pat we were patronized we were yeah um i remember speaking to you actually just after um i think you were on this morning or something good morning britain yeah and i spoke to you on the phone afterwards and you'd you'd mistakenly gone through a couple of the comments on under it and, and you were be you know yeah, and I, you know, probably that, a bad move because those those kinds of fucking people. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. they want. They want they want to rock your confidence. But also, like, actually, ninety eight percent of the comments we got were overwhelmingly yeah, positive. I read. Yeah, and there amazing. were people, and there were people who'd like we didn't know who made banners for us on the day, and you know it was an amazing response. So you, I don't want to focus too much on the on the negatives. And it was, you know, I, I just, I just don't think it's true that. You know, there's just this really horrible kind of very binary view that if you are overweight, then you must be really unhealthy. And right. you know, like the amount of people go to me, oh, you're gonna you're gonna cost the you're gonna cost the nation because you've got you know you'll get diabetes and you'll have a heart attack. And I'm like, well, it's sweet that you're that concerned about my health, but you know, I exercise almost every day. Like I swam this morning, I swam yesterday. I'll go for a run tomorrow morning. You know, I'll. I'd, I'll do some yoga. I'm, I'm going to run 20 miles on Friday morning, you know, and and that is, and I weigh 15 stone, and I'm five foot six, you know, and that's just my body type. I've got huge boobs. I can't do anything about them without having a boob reduction, which I'm not going to do because they're mine. And I've got, you know, and I've got hips, and I've got that, and I've got this, and all bodies are different. Yeah. And I, and um, and it's not someone else you know doesn't have a right to tell me how my health is yeah you know? I mean, it's so it's, it's amazing to hear you, you talk um, about yourself in that way it's really moving actually because you know obviously I've, I've read Mad Girl and you obviously talk a, a little bit about your battle with anorexia as a young bulimia not anorexia oh bulimia sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when yeah, you were yeah, younger yeah. and um, and obviously your size and, and how you looked you know was all, all consuming all yeah at, at the about. time and and I mean, was it an overnight thing that you've 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 suddenly realised that this is this is something you need to stop thinking about, or like was it a gradual it transition? I do still think about it, but I but like what I do instead of kind of latching onto the thought and then 
running away with it and then getting like sucked down a hole of negativity where I start going, I hate this about myself. I just kind of let it go. Yeah. Um, and lots of people say to me, oh my God, I'd love to be as confident as you. And I'm not, you know, like I hate the word confidence because I don't think anyone really has it. And I'm, um, you know, actually, but I am more comfortable wearing my underwear than I am if you make me dress up and put on heels and shit loads of makeup. Mm-hmm. Like then I feel a bit, well, that's because you don't feel like you then, isn't weird. it? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I would be really happy walking around all day in my underwear. It's just a, you know, it is what it is. And I kind of say to people, just fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know, but unbelievable. It, it just blows my mind how much self-loathing there is out there. You know, yeah. even running the marathon, there were people that were running the marathon whose bodies were capable of that, coming up to us and going, "Oh my God, I hate my body." You know, and I was just like, "Fuck's sake!" Yeah. You know, life is too short. Life is too short not to wear a bikini. I wonder, I wonder when that started happening. Like just in in general consciousness, people were saying, or whether it's always been a thing, like an evolutionary thing. The grass is always greener. Or, or I think you, there you, is people that. People always want what they don't have. It, it's. I mean, I do it daily. I think you know, and 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 that's and it's bad because it makes it makes compliments quite hard to to accept sometimes. Yes, yeah. but also I think that you know, in Britain we are very like the idea of self-care or self-love is a very alien one to us mm-hmm. and I think we've all grown up with that you know self you know being happy with yourself is like arrogance you know right okay yeah and I remember thinking that so we sort of bought, bought up with the default thing to go oh god you know like someone says like I find it you know say someone to them, that's a really nice dress they're like oh I got it from Primark or something you know yeah. like well I'm just giving you a compliment don't have to fucking then tear up the compliment. Yeah, right. Stamp on it God, and fucking, you know, like people's people's default is, and it's mine as well. Mm. It's mine as well, you know. And um, it's and, like you have to be really. It's like you have to be humble in order to yeah, be. Yeah, but to humble, be human, you know, that right. isn't humility really. There's a different. That's self-loathing. Yeah. You know, like I always used to think that I was really self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, but I wasn't really. I was just self-loathing. I used to go, oh my god, I'm such a twat. I did this. I did that. You know, but I wasn't actually changing anything about it. And all I was doing was, sorry, I'm going to have to undo my jean buttons. These <laughs> jeans are so, so uncomfortable. They, like, dig into me. Do what you got to do. So sorry, everyone. I'm just unzipping myself for a moment. This is what happens when you're a fat bird. But, like, you know, it it is just, well, it's just shit. Yeah. The amount of time I've spent, like, wallowing. I mean, how, how do you, how do you, how do we, as, like, a species, get, get beyond that? Because, I mean... It, I feel like it's in everyone, I, you know, it unless is, you're a it psychopath. Is, but I think also it's a kind of like, I think we need us to, as a species, spend less time looking in, mm-hmm. you know, more time looking out. Um, I think it's really important that we see more different types of bodies. Yeah. Um, I think that if we could get, I think we are as a species. Um, it, we find it much easier to be negative takes more effort to be positive I like to just I don't know I've completely tried to change my thinking you know and um you know if something bad happens or something I'm trying to think or something that is not to my liking happens instead mm-hmm. of going batshit crazy about it because so-and-so has cancelled me or whatever I'm just like okay this has happened yeah. can't control the world I can't control the world right it's happened what am I going to do now mm-hmm. move on or find a way around it you know is that serenity prayer you know, except the things you cannot change. 
Is that what it is? Change then? things you can. Yeah. Is it a control thing then? Maybe. I think it is. I think a lot of us feel out of control, so we try and control. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, do, do you know what? I don't know, and I don't have the answers. And I and if I why not? Why haven't you? I've prepared. Why haven't you prepared? I wish I could just come up with the like. <laughs> oh, this is my advice. You know, here's five easy tips on how to like. You know live a happy life if I could do that I would not be sitting here talking to you Jake I would be on my fucking yacht in the Bahamas <laughs> but this is how it happens though isn't it this, this is how this is how we progress we, we open up a dialogue I'm not asking you to, to, no, 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 to literally no, no, tell no. me no, I'm just and saying, everyone I'm just saying I'm just saying that I, I don't know I don't know yeah. I really don't know it's just I, I, think, I just find it so also, interesting I think I think also accepting that we don't know is what is quite a good strong um yeah I think that I th- uh, yeah me too like I think that is progress um again that, that kind of falls down to to control as well I've I, I read this thing recently in fact my mum told me about it this clinical psychologist called Paul Gilbert and he he's he invented this thing called emotional regulation systems and his his theory is that we as humans operate within one of three systems at all times mm-hmm. that regulate our emotions either threat um thrive or soothe Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because it just it, on, on, on one when I first actually saw it, I, th- I found it kind of trivialised human emotion. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well that, that doesn't really make sense. But then you know I, I couldn't think of any anything else. I couldn't think of another circle, another system mm-hmm. where where it fit, yeah. where where it would fit. And and it and it did make me think about you know what drives us. You know because that's where we want to be. We want to be in that system mm-hmm. a lot of the time where we feel feel motivated and we feel um, empowered and that sort of thing. And, but you know, at the same time, sorry, I don't really know where I'm going with this. No, it's <laughs> just, fine. None of us know where we're going. Just reminded, reminded me of it then. Um, but yeah, I think the thing I deducted from it that um, uh, that kind of stayed with me was was the idea of control and how how do we how do we sort of relinquish that and and just sort of accept the fact that we don't need to be in control all the time. That's that's no. the, that's the soothing system. That's typically the soothing system. Control. Yeah. Something else is in control, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. There's something bigger than me. So like when I got sober and I went into, I, I, I do AA and there's like, you know, the 12 steps and, um, and, and there's a lot of kind of mentions of the word God and, and everyone, everyone I know <clears throat> who tries to get sober and tries to do AA, like the first thing they say is, I can't do it, it's God. You know, cause it's basically that, that's their illness, finding a way of them, like finding another way to go out and have another drink. Right. You know what I mean? But like, so I remember my counselor saying to me, like the first step I think is, I should know what this is, step one is we accepted we were powerless over alcohol, mm-hmm. that our lives have become unmanageable. So that's, there's not even any mention of God in that. And the second yeah, yeah. one is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And when you- A bit see, more like God. A bit more like God. But then when my, but what my, what my counselor said to me, and I always remember him, because it's a really powerful shit is that he said it's not it's basically accepting that someone else knows better than you that the way you're doing things hasn't worked out right so you're gonna have to put your faith in someone else okay and for me that is the system of AA the program that is presented to it mm-hmm. so it's like God stands for group of drunks or group of druggies you know so it's it's just accepting that there is that other people's the other thing there are other there are other ways yeah yeah and that you you don't always have all the answers okay and that you can't control you know everything and then what's step three do you want me to look it up yeah um you came prepared or something you, you've, like. you've reminded me of something i went to india recently and i did a yoga um class and i 
I didn't really know there's there's like kind of four big steps of yoga, and one of them is one of them I kind of didn't agree with at the time because it felt too um, too religious was the fact it was uh, the idea that you have to relinquish control you can't stay in control you have to in fact give yourself up to a higher being or yeah. a higher idea hand it over yeah which didn't sit that well with me I've got to be honest it but doesn't it, sit well with a lot of people yeah but I think if but you then, get, then, that, then that's my sort of primal but instinct but for what control, it is isn't is it's it? saying that you it's like saying by all means control the things you can control so for example control what you put in your fucking mouth do you know what yeah. I mean control <coughs> control whether you respond to your brain going let's go and have a drink mm-hmm. you know what I mean if you're someone like me who then ends up having that never has a drink and has 75 drinks go actually no I can control I control this no you know I can control shit I can control shit that comes from my own well like sometimes I can't control the shit that comes from my brain but I can control how I respond to it yeah right you know and it's that and then the rest of it like life is going to throw is going to come at you in all different angles and it's it's not so much hand it's just accepting that that is the game and i and i cannot control what you do mm-hmm. i can't control what my husband does i can't control what my daughter does i can't control you know what my boss does or what's decided in a in a in a, in a board meeting you know on a thursday morning mm-hmm. in and I, I certainly can't control what the prime minister does or the, you know, and it's kind of going, okay, so what can I do? What can I do? Well, what I could do is I could set up a campaigning group, you know? Um, I could start, I could become a mental health campaigner and go out there and write about my experiences in the hope they help other people and that other people speak out about them. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that then comes, gets up to a higher level and then more people start speaking out. And then I'm part of a movement whereby, <clears throat> you know, the government then realizes that they need to ring fence funding or something. Yeah. You know? So that's what it is, and it's. Well, yeah, it's 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 managing your response to to, mm. to the original thing. I've I've got the twelve steps here. Yeah. What what which one did you want? Number three. three. Uh, made a decision to turn. Oh wait. To turn our lives and our will. Uh, over to the care of God as we understand Him. Okay. I take issue with a few things. Okay. In that one. Are you just the 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 mention of of a higher power? Yeah. Because that seems divisive. But it's not. I don't think. Like I probably don't. I probably. This probably is not. Um, for me, a higher power is like that. There is. A, there is. Um, there is undeniably a power higher than myself in the fact that the universe fucking exists at all. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The fact that black holes happened and planets existed, and the fact that I live on this planet where the, I can breathe the oxygen, and the trees exist, and they they're all part of a system that you know there is something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Well, the thing is, like, I I think. God is almost like a term, isn't it? It's not it's just a, a term. It's That's not all it is. It's not a yeah. person. It's not a beardy dude yeah. in the no. clouds or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes there's things that happen that are so inexplicable and, and hit you so profoundly and so viscerally that I think those moments are higher power moments. Yeah, or God moments, if you if you like. Um, I had one of those when I was in um, Edinburgh. I was a friend of mine had died, and um, this this. A Syrian guy just kind of passed me in the street and gave you know gave me his shoulder to cry on, bought mm. me a coffee and everything, and ended up telling me about the fact that all his friends had died because he's from Syria and he fled Syria and and he actually walked through Europe to Calais and got over to Great Britain and walked all the way up to Edinburgh because that's where his uncle lives. Mm. And for some reason, because the fact you know I'd walked all the way up to Edinburgh as well, and just there was so there's so much about it that just felt like. 
yeah, yeah. everything just felt charged in that moment. Yeah. And when I, when I wrote about it, I couldn't actually describe the feeling I had without at least mentioning the idea of God or um, you know of, or something divine. So yeah, it is. It's just a, it's just something visceral, I guess. But I mean, the it's also you were open to it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, is that if you're open to meeting other people and talking to other people, you do find that we are all, you know, there there are similarities and there are, and it, you know, uh, so I don't, you know, it's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know really we, getting down to yeah, it, aren't we? Yeah, Sorry. That's um, right. Did you want to go through any of the other 12 steps or was it just no, three? No, just, just that. Want to In fact, I probably okay. shouldn't really be 12 stepping at all. Yeah, so okay. Like, all right. And, um, and so how long have, are you sober for now? Nine months. Wow. Well done. I mean, I, I just for today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's so impressive. Uh, you know, considering where where you came from, when you've, you know you obviously felt for for a while that you were kind of helpless and a bit of a slave to it, as I did. You know, mm. I, I stopped stopped it all in, in October as well. Um, yeah, I feel like we need to wrap up soon. Oh yeah, we probably do. <laughs> I will record another podcast in a bit. Have you really fucking out? So I've got right, a new you did podcast one coming out. You have. Yeah, I've got a new series starting. Of Mad World? No. Oh. It's called something different. It's oh, called, okay. It's called If I Can Do It. And it's in tales from people, inspirational tales of people doing the things they thought they couldn't. Oh, amazing. Or things that weren't expected, or things that aren't expected of them. So Mad World's done now, is no, it? No, it's not done. It's just on, it's just on pause. This is, okay. this is just, um, this sort of ties in with my book. Right. Featuring runs about doing the thing you think you can't. So okay. we've got some, like, cool people coming on. Amazing. Okay. And when's that? out June, first week of june okay cool and okay. obviously uh eat drink run may the 31st may 31st anything else you want to plug you releasing a single or... <laughs> i've got an album yeah. coming out in my head <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, and it's i'm gonna win all the grammys for it. Win all the grammys <laughs> and for instance my good friend prince harry will regret <laughs> not inviting me to his wedding <laughs> Um, cool. Oh. All right. Well, um, thank you for uh, for taking time to speak to me thanks like for, this. Thanks for speaking. Thanks for taking the time <laughs> to speak to me like this. Um, yeah. And uh, all the best with everything. Um, God, <laughs> this I'll doesn't see, feel natural. Yeah. All the me. best. All the best. <laughs> see ya. Thanks. All right. Just bye then. Bye. <laughs> what a babe. What a babe. What a babe. Isn't she? Isn't she just the best? Um, I really hope you enjoyed that, and I hope that the the monotone drone of the whatever the fuck it was, pretty sure it's an air conditioning unit, was wasn't too much of a didn't distract you too much from what was a pretty great conversation. And you know, Bryony, I couldn't ask for more on absolutely top form there. Which is kind of her default setting, I think. I don't think she has another form. She's just on it all the time, it seems. Um, Again, I'm sure she'd disagree with that, but one of the most consistent people I know, and that counts for a lot these days, I think. Right, I'm going to wrap things up fairly quickly because I am still under this duvet. I listened to the whole thing. Everything you just listened to, I listened to all as well under this duvet. No, that isn't true, obviously. Um... But what is true is I need to get this podcast out. It needs to be finished, edited out there for you to listen to because it's Friday at the moment. No, it's not. Is it Friday? No, it's Thursday. It's Thursday at the moment. And tomorrow, Friday, I'm 
having a little adventure weekend. Um, basically, someone got in touch with me last week on Twitter. And I get a lot of messages from lots of different people on Twitter. Uh, and it's all very nice. And I, I love talking to people. But every now and again, someone sends me something that's just a little bit strange or, or, or makes me want to sort of look into it a little bit more. Basically, this person tweeted me last week and said, I think some people still think I'm I'm on the walk. So she said um, something along the lines of, when you walk past or near Milton Keynes, let us know. We'd love you to come to Curly Tail Pigs, my absolute favourite place for mental health well-being. So I was like, right, okay, what? So I looked it up and it turns out it's this, like, pig orphanage or something you know so people buy pigs idiots i guess most of the time as pets and then they realize that they can't keep a pig as a pet and they all go to this pig refuge (laughs) i don't know what it's like a sanctuary basically for pigs and it just sounds like a, a like someone's amazing dream and i just thought it was such a cool thing for someone to say this is what I do this is where I go to manage my mental health and to kind of keep on an even keel it just made me want to investigate it um and then the the sparks started flying in my head and I kind of got the idea that it wouldn't take me it would take me about four days to run there from London along the Grand Union Canal and I don't really have anything to do this weekend nothing that can't be moved anyway so I'm going to spend the next three or four days running the Grand Union Canal from Paddington all the way up to just before Milton Keynes to visit Curly Tail's pigs and to speak to Karen, who has, you know, very nicely and um, very interestingly given me an insight into what she does to manage her mental health. Fucking great. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. So, I mean... It's good. I feel like my muscles have warmed up nicely, you know, under the duvet. Um, but it's time to get out now and get packed and do some stretching and maybe have a shakeout run. So thank you very much for listening. I'll tell you all about my visit to Pig Paradise in next week's episode. Or do you know what? I'm not going to say there's an episode next week because you've you've had your fingers burnt there before. I've lied to you once. I'm not going to put it out there. When the next episode comes out, I'll talk to you briefly about that whole little bizarre adventure that I would have gone on. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thanks for bearing with me and I will see you next time.